Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. I'm excited to open up the Bible. My name is Guy, and it's my privilege to lead us in our study in the Word tonight. So if you want a Bible, I believe ushers may or may not appear. Uh, there's, there's Bibles. Here they come. And uh, you might want to grab one, actually, tonight, because we're going to be looking at the text and kind of focusing in on the text tonight. Uh, it's always a good thing to do. Actually look at the text. I want you to see what's there in front of you because it's important and it's powerful as well. We're in the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 2 as we continue our study in the Gospel of Luke. If only we could see the full truth, the full reality of who Jesus is. It would set our hearts on fire with faith, with hope, with love. It would literally transform our lives. If only we could see the full truth, the full reality of Jesus, of who he is. Well, that's why we have the Gospels. The Gospels are designed to show us the full truth, the full reality of Jesus. The Gospels are powerful because they're not just biography. They're not just a written record of everything Jesus ever did or said and just collected for us. But they're actually carefully crafted to reveal to us the essence of who Jesus is. And when we see who Jesus is, they call us to faith. How will we respond to Jesus? The more you see of Jesus for who he truly is, the greater your faith will be. In fact, your heart will be set on fire, which is exactly what happens at the end of the Gospel of Luke. If you know the story and you go to Luke 24, after Christ is crucified and then he's resurrected and he appears on the road to Emmaus to these disciples and they have their eyes opened and they see that it's really Jesus and then Jesus vanishes from before them. And this is what they say. They say, oh, did not our hearts burn within us when he walked with us along the way and when he opened the scriptures to us? You know what happened? Their hearts were set on fire. When their eyes were open to see the true reality of Jesus, every word, every sentence, every frame, every picture which is given to us in the Gospel of Luke is designed to be another piece in this mosaic that Luke is building that is unveiling for us who really is Jesus Christ. And along the way, we're introduced to all of these characters, characters that are only in the Gospel of Luke. And we're amazed by how Luke can insert these people from uh, the life of Jesus into his Gospel that are not in other Gospels. But Luke is very interested in people. He's interested in their stories and their experiences. And so we find these characters, real people that had experiences with Jesus. And what we find is as their eyes are opened to see the true reality of Jesus, their hearts come alive as well. Isn't that what happened to Zechariah? First character in the Gospel of Luke. 
when the angel first appeared to him and told him that his wife would bear a child and they were elderly, he didn't believe it could happen and he was struck dumb because of it and this big dramatic thing happens in his life and he had nine months to think it over and then finally he figures it out. He puts the scriptures together and, and when he's able to speak again, you know what he did? He spoke about the true reality of Jesus. We studied that a few weeks ago and his heart came alive because of it. Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she encounters the angel and the angel tells her what's going to happen and she's terrified, but then comforted. And then she realizes the truth of this child that would be born. And she sings Mary's song, this amazing praise to God. Her heart comes alive because of it. Even the shepherds who were overwhelmed by this vision of angels that they saw, the angelic choir singing and you know, pronouncing the birth of the Savior. And they're terrified as well. But when they begin to realize what was going on, and they begin to run, they just ran into town. They just began to tell everybody. See, this is the way it goes. This, every one of these individuals in the Gospel of Luke becomes a picture of who is Jesus and also what's our response supposed to be so what's your view of Jesus? How do you see Jesus? That's the essence of your Christian life. How do you see Jesus? What do you know of him? Can you put the mosaic pieces together and, and come up with this portrait of Jesus? And does it make your heart really sing? That's what the Gospel of Luke is doing. And so we come in chapter 2 to another character in the story. His name is Simeon. And Simeon is a man whose heart is alive and comes alive because of Jesus as well. He sees who Jesus is and he sees that Jesus is the salvation of God. And he says some profound things. So let's get to that. But before we get there, we're going to have to traverse some verses that might not seem as exciting, but you have to realize something. Every single verse is written to tell us the truth of who Jesus is. There's nothing extra in the gospel. All the details are there for a reason. We just have to ask the question, why? Why is that here? So let's take a look at it in the Gospel of Luke and in chapter 2. And um, we're going to begin in verse 22. I have that on the screen, but first, I'll just go back to verse 21. It says, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. So now Jesus has been born in Bethlehem. Eight days later, the circumcision, because that's according to the law, what was supposed to happen. And uh, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And in verse 22, when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, the, the pigeons or the turtle doves in the law gives us an indication that Mary and Joseph are very poor because when they would give their offerings, it was kind of on a sliding scale. And so, you know, if you're at the lower end of the economic spectrum and you couldn't do anything else, they'd say, well, just, you know, bring a bird that's good enough. So here they are, this poor couple, and they've come to Jerusalem, and they're coming to the temple. 
And did you notice that three times in the verses that I just read, three times it said, according to the law of the Lord. Did you see that in the text? I'm not making it up. It's right there in verse 22. According to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Verse 24, to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. Every sentence, every word is included in this gospel for a reason. And all of it is painting a portrait of the true reality of Jesus. Because when you see that reality, it's going to set your heart on fire with faith, with hope, with love. Why does it have to tell us three times that everything they did was exactly according to the law of the Lord? Why could that be? Luke is very concerned for us to know that Jesus, his entire life, from the very beginning, every single thing that he did was according to Old Testament law. Every bit of it. You know, Jesus, in some ways, seemed like he was a rebel, right? It seemed like he sort of broke with all the traditions of Israel and he did a totally new thing and none of the past mattered. But that's not at all true. Jesus said, I haven't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus is the hinge of history. Jesus is the one who comes and fulfills every single detail that is written in the Old Testament law, all of it. He upholds it perfectly. And then, being the only one who ever could have done that, he turns a corner and he brings us into a new covenant. Jesus is the one who bridges the gap between the old and the new. I think that Luke thought long and hard about this. You know, Luke was a traveling companion with the Apostle Paul. So, and that's important. Luke and Paul, I think they had lots of discussions about Jesus, of course. And they marveled in the true reality of Jesus and their hearts were alive. And so they went into all the details. Can I tell you one thing that I, I believe they talked about a lot? Here it is in the book of Galatians, written by the Apostle Paul. And Galatians, it tells us in chapter 4 and verse 4, Here's Paul writing, and he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, there's a lot of theological truth wrapped up in that sentence, in the fullness of time. The time that had been prophesied that would come, that the prophets for hundreds of years pointed and forward and said, Messiah is coming, son of David is coming, the Savior is coming. And finally, in the fullness of time, just at the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman. You know, that's, that's like condensing all these Christmas stories. Born of a woman. Born what? Under the law. Under the law. That he might redeem those who are under the law, that they might be adopted as sons and daughters of God. Amazing. This is why Luke is saying what he is saying. How could Jesus do that? Why was it that he had to be born under the law to redeem those who are under law? Well, again in Galatians, perhaps Luke and Paul had this conversation. If you look in Galatians chapter 3, in verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You know, the Bible tells us that all of us, in a sense, live under law. We live under the law. The Jews lived under the written law, written in tablets of stone. But Paul tells us that all of us live under the moral law, the law that's written on our conscience. It's written here and it's written here. So that every single person has this awareness that there is a lawgiver, there is a right and wrong. We have a conscience. And at some point in our lives, every single human being, their conscience is going to condemn them and say, you failed to live up to the law. Simple as that. You failed. You are not sinless. You are not perfect. You've fallen short of the glory of God. Here comes Jesus, born under the law, who perfectly, absolutely fulfills the law in every sense. And then as the perfect sacrifice dies in our place to take our guilt in our sin and shame. Now that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a piece of the mosaic. That's why Luke is saying what he's saying in chapter two. So let's read on. That's just one little piece of the puzzle. Now we come to verse 25 and it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Okay, literally in the Greek it says, and behold, behold, open your eyes. There was a man named Simeon. And it's like, it's a signal. It's like, stop what you're doing and and look up and picture in your mind this man whose name is Simeon. I'm going to show you someone who had an incredible experience in his life. And through the experience of this man, you're going to learn something about Jesus. Simeon. Here he is. Let's read his story. In verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms. He blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. It's awesome. But you know, here's something that strikes me. Simeon, to me, it seems that he was the only person of all the Christmas stories that actually wasn't surprised by the birth of Christ at Christmas. Everybody else was shocked by what happened. Zachariah was shocked speechless for nine months. Mary was terrified when she saw the angel. She did not expect this to be happening to her, right? The shepherds, (laughs) overwhelmed, stunned, shocked, terrified by what was happening. Simeon? No way. Simeon is the superstar of faith in the book of Luke. Simeon is the guy who every single day got up in the morning and said, today's going to be the best day of my life. Every day. 
You know someone like that? My wife is like that. She wakes up in the morning, she's like, so great. We're going to have a great time. And I'm like, I pull the blanket over my head. It's like, come on, I'm not a morning person. Let me have coffee before I hear about how great the day is. She's just eager every day. Oh, it's going to be so great. Simeon is like that times 10,000. Because the Holy Spirit revealed to him, you will not die until you see with your own eyes the fulfillment of my promises to Israel. You will see the Savior in your lifetime. Can you imagine that? This guy, every single day of his life, getting up going, today could be the day. This could be the day. Now, it seems that he was an elderly man, like so many of these folks in these Christmas stories. He was elderly because once he sees Jesus, he's like, okay, I'm ready to die. It's like he's at the end of his life. He's ready to go. How many years had he been waiting? Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting, expecting. Strike the word waiting and insert the word expecting. Expecting every day, expecting every day, expecting. And then that day comes. Can you imagine the thrill in his heart when that day came? Amazing. I read this story and I said, you know, Lord, I want to be Simeon in my life. (laughs) That's who I want to be. I want to live my life with a sense of faith and expectancy and hope every day. That's how I want to be. How can I be like that, Lord? How can I be like Simeon? And how can I see the truth of who Jesus actually is? Well, Simeon, his story is is given to us as an example of that very thing. What do we know about Simeon from this story? Several things we know about him, and they're all important. Here's one thing we know about him. He was a man who opened his heart to the Holy Spirit. He opened his heart to the Spirit of God. Do you see how many times it mentions the Holy Spirit here? It says in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And so, oh, in verse 25, I also missed that the Holy Spirit was upon him. So three times it talks about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Simeon was a man who opened his heart to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him that Christ was coming, the truth of Christ. How can you and I be people of faith? Well, here's one lesson from the life of Simeon. We have to open our heart to the Holy Spirit. I do not know how the Holy Spirit spoke to Simeon. I don't know if it was an audible voice. Maybe God just spoke to him with an audible voice. I don't know. We're not really told. He came in the spirit into the temple. What was that like? What was it like to be in the spirit, spirit and coming into the temple? Was he hovering? Was he three inches off the ground? I don't think so. We're not told. How do you experience the Holy Spirit in your life? Perhaps it's different. I can guarantee you this. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart constantly. And the Bible talks about a still small voice. We need to listen. We need to incline our ear. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? And I can guarantee you that Jesus is speaking about Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to show you the true reality of Jesus. When that happens, your heart comes alive. I knew a man in my church who was not a Christian. He was not a churchgoer. 
And his nine-year-old son got hit by a car and was at the point of death, went to the hospital, son in a coma. He's standing by the bedside. He's not a believer. He's not a churchgoer. He knows nothing about Jesus. His son miraculously wakes, comes out of the coma, looks at his father. The first thing that he says to his father is, I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus. And the father's like, right, you've seen Jesus. He's like, no, dad, I, I've seen Jesus. And Jesus told me that I'm going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. So the father's like, well, you got hit in the head, so there you go. He brought the son home. When the son was well enough, he got up, and the first thing he did was he went in the garage. He got two pieces of wood and a hammer and nail. He hammered them together, and he made a cross. He said, Dad, this is a cross. Jesus died on the cross for me. He told me. Now the dad's getting freaked out. <laughs> so the next Sunday, the dad says to the family, we're going to church. He packs everybody up, you know. They go to church. He goes to church, and they come to faith in Jesus. They hear the gospel. They become Christians. Young man grows up, goes off to Bible college, became a youth pastor. <laughs> this guy, his name was Rich, had a really hard life. He was a businessman who had basically lost everything in his business. He had a partnership. You know, they say the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership. Ever heard that one? And so the thing went down. You know, it just went down in flames. And this guy just had a hard life. He, before he had a lot, now he doesn't have very much anything. His son is alive. He saw Jesus. But no matter what happened in this guy's life, no matter how tough the days got, he always had this faith that was at the core of his being. And you could tell, it's almost like he thought, you know, God might show up, Jesus might show up and do something because look at my story. Look at what's happened. It was the Holy Spirit that spoke to his son. The Spirit of Christ just spoke directly to his heart. Okay, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your son. Now, you don't have to get hit by a car and go into a coma for this to happen, thankfully. You can open your Bible and pray and listen to the Lord. You know, Simeon, when J Joseph and Mary and Jesus came walking across the temple grounds, he couldn't tell by looking. Do you know that? He couldn't tell. They weren't, it wasn't a Christmas card scene. There was no halo. There was no gold glitter. It was just another poor young couple and, and an infant. And I hate to tell you, but Jesus looked like just any other infant walking across the temple. He couldn't tell by looking. The only way he knew was that the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and said, that's the one. That's the one. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and he's saying to you, this is the one. Jesus is the one. Will you put your faith in Jesus as you read the gospel, as you see who he is? Will you grow in your faith in Jesus? Before I was a Christian, I went to church. I, I read the gospel. I, I, I listened to what was going on. I couldn't tell just by looking at the outward appearance of things. It was the Holy Spirit. I had to open my heart to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was pulling me, was prompting me, and saying, this is more than just about information. This is about faith in Jesus. Will you open your heart to Jesus? That's what Simeon did. And it's amazing. So you must open your heart to the Holy Spirit, but that's not enough. 
Just like my friend Rich, after Jesus had appeared to his son, you know, he went to church. He got a Bible. He began to read the story of the gospel and to fill in the blank with the word of God. Simeon was a man of the scriptures. He was a man of God's word. How do I know that? There's two ways that I know that. Number one is because it says in verse 25 that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, consolation of Israel, or you could say the comfort of Israel, is a direct reference to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. I can imagine that Simeon, when the Holy Spirit said, you know what, you're not going to die before you see the salvation of God. You're going to see this. I can imagine that for days or months or for years, he was opening his Bible and saying, where does it talk about that? And going to the book of Isaiah over and over and over again and reading things like this, Isaiah 40 in verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You know what that is? That's the consolation of Israel. The consolation of God's people. It had been hard times. For 700 years, it had been hard times. Isaiah wrote 700 years before the birth of Christ. And you know what? It was hard times for 700 years. They kept waiting and waiting and waiting for that comfort to come for the comforter, for the savior to come. So here he is meditating on this promise of the Lord. And then again, we see when he basically gives his blessing to the Lord, he says in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And again, what is he doing? He's quoting directly from the book of Isaiah. And I can show you where that is. It's in Isaiah chapter 60. Arise and shine, verse 1, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light. Who's that? Nations. The Gentiles. The whole world will come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. What's he talking about? He's talking about Israel, the comfort of Israel, and how through Israel, Savior would come and the light of the Savior would shine to the entire world. What does Simeon do when he picks up that baby? He picks up that baby and he goes, Oh, I know exactly what this means. It's not just that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. It's that I have the written word of God that tells me what it means. And so he says in verse 30 of Luke 2, my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. That's Isaiah chapter 60. Simeon is a man who opened his heart to the Holy Spirit who is deeply immersed in the promises of the gospel in God's word and who is totally focused on Jesus. So he takes the child and he holds him to his heart. Now, I love babies. Okay, so I like to hold babies. It's just, it's just a thing, right? Doesn't most everybody like to hold babies? It's awesome. Just pick up the baby. It's, it's awesome. It's a good thing. Okay, 
But that wasn't exactly what was going on with Simeon. He, didn't, he wasn't going around just holding babies in the temple. Oh, can I hold your baby? No. Get away. <laughs> Stranger danger. Can I hold that baby here? Oh, no, it's not him. <laughs> Next. No, it's not him. It wasn't that. The Holy Spirit said, this is the one. And, and he, he picks up Jesus and he just kind of holds him to his heart. And he begins to confess with his lips the glory of Jesus, the truth of who Jesus is. He's a model for us in our lives. I can tell you this. The word of God is leading you to Jesus. The spirit of God is leading you to Jesus. Now it's your turn. It's your turn to take Jesus and to hold him close to your heart and to confess with your lips that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Savior. And as you do that, you know what happens? Your heart will begin to come alive just like the experience of Simeon. I have to tell you one more thing about Simeon, and this is really intriguing to me because I see Simeon as like one of the most positive people in, in all of these stories. You know, he just like believe, 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 and there's the baby, and oh, it's great. But, but all of a sudden, there's a little cloud comes. There's a little kind of a foreshadowing of pain and darkness that comes into the story. It's there for a reason. Every line in Luke is written for a reason. This is something that we need to know because it also tells us the full truth of Jesus. Don't you want the real Jesus? We don't want the make-believe Jesus, the made-up Jesus, the Jesus that we invented in our own head, the Christmas card Jesus. We don't want that. We want the real Jesus. This is the real Jesus. Here's what happened. Luke chapter 2 in verse 33. His father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, he says to Mary, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon went a little dark there, I think. Why did he do it? Because this is the real truth of Jesus. Jesus forces a decision. The true Jesus calls us to decide to make up our mind. The true Jesus is so amazing, so radical. His salvation is so intense in its meaning and in its reach to the world that there are many people who cannot handle it. They say, That's, we can't believe in that Jesus. I knew a man who was a Bible teacher at a secular university who said he did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I heard him in a debate, and someone asked him, why is it that you just will not believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And here was his answer, and it kind of blew me away that he said it. He said, I cannot believe in the resurrection of Jesus because if I did, that would put Jesus in a category that is totally unique. And I refuse to do that. Instead, I believe that Jesus is one spiritual teacher among many, and there are many paths to God. If Jesus rose from the dead exactly as the gospel said, that would make Jesus the unique Savior in all the world, and I refuse to believe that. Simeon, 
that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. This Jesus is a sign that will be opposed to you. This Jesus, not the Christmas card Jesus. Nobody's going to talk against that Jesus. But this Jesus, who fulfilled the law perfectly, that he might die as the perfect sacrifice in the place of those who have broken the law, that Jesus, that salvation, oh yeah, that Jesus is a sign that will be spoken against. People can't handle it. And so this Jesus is set for the falling and the rising of many. He's the dividing point. It's Jesus. What will we do with Jesus? And that becomes the question that's asked over and over again in this gospel and in all the gospels. What will we do with Jesus? My experience is having resisted the gospel for a period of time in which I was falling, 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 the thoughts of my heart revealed, I don't want a savior. I'm my own savior. Are you kidding? There's no savior but me. I'm the savior. I'll figure this out. No, thank you. Falling, falling, falling. And then by God's grace, through the scriptures, through the love of Christians, through the Holy Spirit drawing me, this turn happens. And all of a sudden I go, wait a minute. Wait, I see Jesus now totally differently. I've never seen Jesus this way before. And all of a sudden, rising, rising, rising in faith, in hope, in love. It's Jesus who does that. And it's amazing. It's powerful. Now, that's going on all day long, all around us in the world. It actually goes on even in our lives as we grow stronger or weaker in our faith as well. We need to keep pressing on in faith in Jesus. That's Simeon's story in the Gospel of Luke. And since we have a couple of minutes, can I just give you a little snippet about Anna as well? If we read a little bit further, here's what happens next. I'm not, I don't think I put these verses up there, so you have to read it in your Bible the old-fashioned way. Luke 2.36, now there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here comes Anna, and Anna is old. What is it with all the old people in the story? <laughs> you know, it's almost like God gave us a picture. Zachariah and his wife are elderly. Simeon is elderly. Anna is elderly. And these people have been waiting, 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 waiting. Here comes Joseph and Mary. They're young. Here comes the baby Jesus. It's, it's almost like he's giving us a picture of a new beginning. Something new is happening. It's connected to the old, but it's completely new. And here's Anna. And she's in on this. Isn't that cool? Here's one of the greatest things about the Gospel of Luke. There's all these people that just show up and you go, where did they come from? And why do they have faith? And they seem like superstars of the faith. And, and yet they're not apostles. They're not Bible teachers. They're just... They're just people. That's so cool. I love that. There's heroes of the faith everywhere. Anna comes up and she sees 
Jesus, she recognizes what's happening. Now, what does Anna do? She begins to talk about Jesus to everyone. To everyone. It's like the shepherds. They ran into town to tell everybody what happened, right? Anna begins to speak to everyone. Simeon, he spoke to Joseph and Mary. Anna spoke to everyone. When your heart is set on fire, it makes you want to talk about Jesus. Luke 24, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they said, did not our hearts burn within us when he walked with us and when he opened the word of God with us? And they ran back to Jerusalem. They were headed away from Jerusalem. Their faith was low. They were falling, falling, falling. Now they're turning around. They've seen the truth of Jesus. They're running back to Jerusalem and they're telling everybody. Anna is telling everybody. All of these pictures are pictures of the truth of Christ and they're pictures of discipleship too. What does a disciple do? He opens his heart to the Holy Spirit, like Simeon. He's meditating in the word of God, like Simeon. He's focused on Jesus and and confessing Jesus and who he is with his mouth. And he's telling others about the glory of Jesus. You see what we have? We have a picture of Jesus and a picture of true discipleship. Those are the things we'll find in the Gospel of Luke. And they're awesome. They're powerful. My prayer is, Lord, show me the true reality of Jesus and set my heart on fire with faith. That's my prayer for you as well. Let's pray about that. Father, thank you for these incredible pictures that you give us, Lord, like a mosaic that you patch together scene upon scene upon scene. Taken together, they give us this enormous idea truth of Jesus and who he is. This child, this lamb of God, this perfectly obedient son, this living salvation and light to the whole world. Thank you so much for that, Lord. Now I pray that God, by your Holy Spirit, you'll open the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of our understanding and Cause us to grow in faith as we see Christ for who he truly is. May we be disciples like Simeon and Anna, Lord. And, um, and so go deep in the gospel and share the gospel with others, we pray. Bless now tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.